On today's show, I'll talk about the concept of society and our role in it, plus what I believe is a master stroke of conservative marketing. And I'd also like to dedicate today's show to David Graeber, whose anthropological research and activism serve as both inspiration and play a role in my quest for a better world. He passed away unexpectedly, to me at least, on the 2nd of this month. A huge loss. Here's a poignant quote from Dave Graeber in The Utopia of Rules on Technology, Stupidity, and the Secret Joys of Bureaucracy. The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. I think Ryan, a friend of mine, described him best when he said, such a ferociously interesting thinker. Indeed he was. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Looking Forward with Michael Bazan, where we take a hard look at the past as well as the present in an effort to construct an amazing future. Your host is Michael Bazan. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. So while researching consumer debt and thinking about the world as a whole, I realized that I needed to start at the very beginning and actually define some terms. In a past episode, I mentioned my hypothesis that one of the main things that divides us, other than the economic theory we subscribe to, is how we define certain terms such as power, love, justice, patriotism, freedom, success, and entrepreneurship. Well, we need to add society and community to that list. I feel that the last few years, and definitely this year, 2020, have been eye-opening. It is absolutely apparent with how different people are handling this year that many people may simply not believe in the existence of society and community. A new friend and ally named Josh Sheldon recommended that I check out some of his books, so I did. I started reading Individutopia, a novel set in a neoliberal dystopia. While this novel is fiction, it begins with another quote by Margaret Thatcher that I had forgotten. And most people are are very familiar with her, but for those who are not, essentially she was the Prime Minister of the UK before, during, and after Reagan's two terms of presidency. They are both extremely conservative and laid the foundation for and or exacerbated many of the problems we are facing today. Both were extremely intelligent, great speakers, charismatic, and very powerful. But in my opinion, they used that power to the detriment of our world. Now, my five-year-old daughter is really getting into superheroes, and even she, at her age, realizes that what one does with power is important, and not just the simple act of obtaining and holding power. And this is yet another stumbling block that I feel most of our population is stuck on. Many people have never matured past the point of simply being drawn to power without the necessary examination that should follow. As to the responsibility that comes with having power, so these two very powerful historical figures had a lot of power that was absolutely abused. And as I said, we are still feeling the aftershocks. So this particular quote is about society. The last quote I mentioned of Thatcher's was, One of the great debates of our time is about how much of your money should be spent by the state and how much you should keep to spend on your family. Let us never forget this fundamental truth. The state has no source of money other than the money which people earn themselves. 
If the state wishes to spend more, it can do so only by borrowing your savings or by taxing you more. It is no good thinking that someone else will pay. That somebody else is you. There is no such thing as public money. There is only taxpayers' money. So as we described before, this is an extremely convenient way for a government to get out of really doing anything remotely beneficial for their population. Other than the fact that she either did not understand how economics work, or she most likely did and simply uses this as a shield. But she went further than that. So the quote that Josh reminded me of was from four years later, in 1987, in an interview for Woman's Own. Some will say it has been taken out of context. Either way, it was definitely her let them eat cake moment. Usually her quote is stated as, there's no such thing as society. But here's a larger excerpt of what she actually said while complaining about the poor, essentially. I am homeless. The government must house me. And so they are casting their problems on society. And who is society? There is no such thing. There are individual men and women and there are families, and no government can do anything except through people, and people look to themselves first. So, as I've stated, I believe in being a lifetime learner, in having a strong worth ethic, but this is yet another politician's way to defray their responsibility. Let me remind you of Nelson Mandela's quote, which I mentioned in episode one. Overcoming poverty is not a task of charity. It is an act of justice. Like slavery and apartheid, poverty is not natural. It is man-made and can be overcome and eradicated by the actions of human beings. Sometimes it falls on a generation to be great. You can be that great generation. Let your greatness blossom. Nelson Mandela, anti-apartheid activist and former president of South Africa. It is man-made. It sure the hell is. It is not natural. It is a byproduct of our government's addiction to economic growth and the allocation of all resources to those ends. Now, I wonder how, how do you define society? Because there are a lot of ways. One is a body of individuals living as members of a community. Another way is a highly structured system of human organization for large-scale community living that normally furnishes protection, continuity, security, and a national identity for its members, i.e. the American society. A third, and by no means the final way, is a large group of people who live together in an organized way, making decisions about how to do things and sharing the work that needs to be done. All the people in a country or several similar countries can be referred to as a society. Essentially a group of people. It could be a group of people that live in the same town or city or who attend a certain school or an extended family, a sports team, one's country, or an ideological group or a gender group or a race or a group of friends. In each group, a society or community is formed. Remember how we talked about power and that the most important aspect is how it is used and not simply its existence. Society and community functions similarly. What I mean is that members and or the group can contribute to the society's functioning or its deterioration. Everything is temporary, meaning the condition and existence of everything changes constantly and is temporary. So we have a choice with everything. We either work towards its functioning well or its deterioration. There's no in-between. 
no one can deny that we live in groups and we live in a lot of them simultaneously. And which groups or societies do you feel an obligation to contribute to? Your family, your neighborhood, city, state, nation, world, political party, gender group, ethnic group, the human race. Now all of these vary in size and hierarchy. In what we have witnessed, it is extremely confusing as to what people believe. We see some fervent nationalists that do not seem to exhibit any regard for the smaller communities they are a part of, and some people who are extremely involved in local communities that could care less about larger groups. And there is every combination and gray area beyond and in between. It has always been my belief and desire to have a positive impact on everyone I come in contact with and everywhere that I am, and at least do no harm. This is what I strive for in my family, anywhere that I'm employed, where I live, etc. All areas that compose our lives can be made better and stronger. Here's the thing though. I realize that there is simply not time or resources to be amazing in every single group that a person belongs to. And while that is what I strive for, it is not the reality. There are many things that I could do better, without a doubt. And while that will always be the case, it does not mean that I give up. And the never-ending list of possible improvement will always be the case with us as individuals, as well as every societal group. It will never be perfect, but working towards its betterment is essential and just a necessary part to play within whichever group. It seems that a lot of people only have regard for themselves and that none of the other groups matter and no one else really matters to them. Does it seem that way to you or am I the only one? Now, there are always going to be outliers and that is not even a bad thing whatsoever. But the thing is, I feel that our population's egocentricity is rampant. It is not an outlier. It is the rule and not the exception. And while that is a fault of the individual, in their defense, many of those concepts have been drilled into us. We have been conditioned to be good, little, greedy consumers. We have been taught that being greedy and wielding power is all that's important and one should use it to extend one's control over others. We have been taught a lot of fucked up shit. And when we look around and we see the homeless or protest or hunger or inequality, and these are the direct results of our conditioning, these are man-made situations and unnatural, as Nelson Mandela stated. And while each of us can do something about it, the largest levers are the ones that created it. That is why the government, state, national, and even local that profit from the various industrializations and urbanization who have caused these unnatural disparities have a responsibility to clean up their mess, so to speak. And some will say, that's just the way it is, partner. And no, it's not just the way it is. The way it is has been purely 100% manufactured. What we take as normal in the, in the States here in America is not the same as it is around the world. That's not just the way it is. That's yet another way to abdicate responsibility in the same way that Margaret Thatcher, Reagan, and everyone else since, including Obama and Trump, have abdicated their responsibility to the American people while embracing a straight-up hypocritical obligation to prop up corporations and banks instead of the people. And they do so consistently even though that is literally the opposite of the sink or swim. Pull, you know, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, capitalistic belief that 
all our political leaders, especially over the last 40 years, love so much, but their hypocrisy is another topic. Believing that things are just the way they are relieves us as humans from any obligation to our community, and that is what we are seeing right now with people's behaviors. The flip side of that, though, and it is inspiring, is seeing all these people that are on the streets fighting against greed, egocentrism, racism, fascism, and all the very deliberate things that are detrimental to a functioning society. Now, I want to mention briefly what I consider a masterstroke of marketing by conservatives. I believe it is one of the pinnacles of marketing genius. It is absolutely masterful how conservatives have labeled liberals as lazy. Keep in mind that the conservative party is the one that says the market will just work itself out, thereby not requiring any work. They want deregulation, which also means they have to do less work. They want small government, which means less people are working resulting in less work. They claim, as I mentioned earlier, about where we are, that that's just the way it is. That makes sure that they have no obligation to work towards making things better. The conservative party is hands down the party of the lazy, but they are not dumb. They always have the best slogans on marketing. The deterioration of our country is a testament to their marketing success. I believe that one of the social contracts that we have with a society is to do our part to make communities and all that is contained within, as well as other larger political and cooperative groups or entities, better, stronger, and thriving for all. By that, I mean the way it should and could work in the best possible way for everyone. In some very small way, that is what I'm attempting here trying to begin a specific conversation with the initial attempt being a discussion on what an ideal to work for looks like and how it works in the best manner for all people. Then through discussion and study, deriving at the steps and resources required to get us there. The next step would be to come together and build an organization and a structure that would perpetually work towards the achieving and maintaining of said ideal. I'm beginning this conversation by asking myself questions about what I believe and sharing that with you. That is the starting point. To reiterate, I believe that we all have a responsibility to better ourselves, our families, our communities, our states, our country, and our world. Thus far, I've focused primarily on the national level, in most part due to the rapid shirking of responsibility on that level by Democrats and Republicans for the last 40 years. Many factors led to the rise of Trump, who is the epitome of all that is wrong with our country. But it didn't start with him, and it won't end with him. And the reason I have focused on the national level is because that is the level that has the economic power and can enact the highest degree of mutually beneficial change and progress. It's kind of like when Elizabeth Warren was asked about straws and light bulbs, and she said, Oh, come on, give me a break. You can probably hear her say that if you've ever heard her speak. She went on to say, This is exactly what the fossil fuel industry wants us to talk about. They want you to be able to stir up a lot of controversy about your light bulbs, around your straws, and around your cheeseburgers when 70% of the pollution of the carbon that we're throwing into the air comes from three industries. Or if that's too liberal for you and you need a bit of machismo, think of it as a prison fight where you always take out the biggest guy first. So 
It's your choice who you want to be in this scenario, but know that the biggest yields are gained by addressing the biggest obstacles that stand in in the way. So while individual responsibility and growth are massively important, individual growth that is, and I am personally striving with this daily with admittedly varied results, I'm a very flawed individual who is really trying to be a better person and grow. The truth is that breaking the systems at the national level that inhabit, that inhibit rather, individuals, families, and communities from thriving has to be our initial focus. It is the biggest lever in pushing the needle forward. Now, it could be argued that if 331 million Americans believed in their responsibility to grow as individuals, become better people, and help their neighbors, communities, states, country, and the world thrive, then that would indeed be the most powerful lever pushing the needle forward. As much as I'd like that to happen, I'm in no way counting on it. We've all been witness to the unveiling of American egocentrism during this pandemic and beforehand. And that, at its best, maybe 50% of our citizens are mature enough to care and fight for somebody they don't know, and not just themselves. But that is an optimistic percentage. Let me know what, what you think it is. So... As difficult as it is to fight against a rigged system and get individuals that are ethical into positions of power, that is the course that I believe will yield the biggest results, as opposed to focusing on the responsibility and behaviors of the masses, who, to protect their neighbors and communities, can even be inconvenienced to our mass. And there are Trump masks, by the way. You don't have to worry about being confused with somebody that gives a shit. So going forward, I look forward to a time when I can cover ways that we can thrive as individuals, families, communities, cities, and states. But we have to tear down some systems first. I hope you enjoyed the show, and stay tuned for episode 6, where I talk about the film Fight Club, the culture of the 80s, and generally introduce the multi-part series on consumer debt. Thanks for listening and going on this journey. If you were inspired to create an amazing future, leave us a five-star review, share with your friends, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.